Right on. Well, it's good to uh, take some time uh, once again to just study his word together and uh, grateful for the series that we're in. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go back. You're just you're just one uh, one session of the series behind, but uh, worth going back to listen to because they, they build on one another. We began a series last week called Building a Biblical Worldview in 2022, uh, and it was more than just a, a, a title that rhymed. It was something that I feel is really important for our church uh, and our Kingsway friends out, out in the online uh, uh, universe to, to consider uh, this year and to uh, intentionally, intentionally think about uh, and build their worldview. Uh, it's not just something that, uh, it's not something we think about uh, all that often. We, we, all, we all see the world through our worldview every single day, and it affects the decisions that we make. It affects the way we act and interact with one another, but rarely do we take a look at our worldview and see, is, does, it, does it line up with, with what uh, we believe it should and as a Jesus follower, uh, and to, the, to those who, are, who would call themselves a Christian or a Jesus follower, we would encourage you to think Christianly, to, to line up your uh, worldview with, the, with Scripture. And why do we say that? Because following the example of Jesus, we learned last week that that's exactly what Jesus did uh, when he was walking through the, the desert and being tempted by the enemy and the enemies would uh, tell him to do these things. His response always was, Scripture says Oftentimes, as he was teaching, he would say, uh, this is what I've heard the Father say, and so this is what I say. Scripture was just it was, was the, the uh, directing um, part of his life uh, along with Holy Spirit, and, and the same should be for us. And so in order to do what Scripture um, says, we, we need to actually know what it says. Uh, and so this week, uh, Tracy um, Ferber sent me a video from a guy named John B. Christen, and I just wanted to share it with you because I think it fits perfectly. So here it is. Tired of the Bible not meeting your needs? Want the scripture to better revolve around your lifestyle? Well, you've heard of the YouVersion Bible app, introducing the Me Version. Feel free to read the Bible without having to feel convicted. My favorite verse in the Me Version Bible is Matthew 7:1. Thou shalt not judge. Unless they voted for a different political candidate. Other favorites include therefore, if a brother has sinned against you, post about it on the internet. And ye are without sin, so cast all the stones you want. Thanks, me version. This is great. Don't like something? Change it yourself. Me version is the world's first editable Bible. All your favorite verses just updated to reflect modern life. Like, give us this day our daily gluten-free bread. And I will deliver you into the land flowing with almond milk and ethnically harvested honey. Finally, a Bible that justifies my lifestyle, not the other way around. Most read passages include, before you check the speck in your brother's eye, remember that you do not have a plank in your own eye. And forgive us our trespasses as we literally never forgive anyone who trespasses against us. Tired of feeling guilt? Enter areas that you struggle and we'll remove those verses completely. The Bible says all scripture is God breathed and useful. And useful for taking out of context to justify your actions. Thanks me version. I wish I would have known about this sooner. The Me Version Bible app turned the truth into your truth. Available now in the App Store and Google Play. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I think it's uh, just a clever way to remind us that we need to know what it actually says, not what we want it to say or that we assume it says. It says. Uh, and, and also, like we said last week, knowing what God meant by what, uh, what he said. Scripture can be twisted so many times, and we encourage you to dig down deep and realize that 
um, scripture explains scripture and, and to know the to know the uh, the word of God but also to know the God of the word the, the if it doesn't sound like him even though you may read it on the pages it's knowing the the whole of scripture uh, and and so what a great opportunity actually to invite you to join us on our you version um, Bible reading program this year if you haven't joined us yet you can you can hop uh, hop in still we're, we're going actually through the whole Bible. Old Testament and New, the whole of Scripture. And if you'd like to join us, just send me a text, 905-869-6470. Let me know you want to be a part of it, and we'll add you in. You can fast forward and jump uh, ju- and catch up with a number of us who are reading through it together. You know, the, 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 the whole of Scripture is what's important, because I, I think it's, it's easy for us in North America just to build our, our worldview, our, even our theology on, you know, verses we see on coffee mugs or on bumper stickers or on Instagram or even, uh, you know, on TikTok posts. You know, people are like, oh, I think the Bible Bible says this, I saw it on TikTok. Well, there's a deeper way to build your worldview and a, and a much more intentional way of doing that. I, I love how Paul, when, as he wrote to um, uh, the, the Ephesian elders, Luke writes about it for us in Acts chapter 20, verse 27. He, he says to the Ephesian elders, he's like, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. He's like, I, I didn't avoid telling you everything that you needed to hear. In 2 Timothy 4, he would, um, Paul would later encourage Timothy as a, as a, a preacher of the word. He encourages him with those words. Uh, 2 Timothy 4 verse 2, he says, preach the word of God. Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct. It's part of the, the word of God. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. Verse 3, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They're going to follow their own desires and look for teachers who are going to tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they will chase after myths. That, that, that wasn't something that, you know, that, that only happened in Paul and Timothy's time. Uh, we see that even today that there's this, this desire to just hear messages that are going to make you feel good or, you know, that are going to gloss over some of the more difficult portions of Scripture. And, 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 and that can be dangerous for our lives. You know, this week, uh, this weekend, um, it's the first weekend that Bill C-4 has come into effect in Canada. Uh, and Bill C-4 is, uh, uh, is a very problematic um, piece of uh, legislature, uh, especially for parents and Christians and, and pastors. And uh, so this week, actually, across North America, there are thousands of churches who are speaking on the topic of biblical sexuality, sexuality from a biblical worldview. And we're going to be doing the same thing as well. We're just not doing it this week. Uh, but uh, we'll let you know in a couple of weeks when we... Uh, uh, take a look at that as well. But there, there will always be, there will always be and continue to, to be a drift away from truth in culture and in the church. Uh, that's why Paul's warning Timothy and saying, hey, preach the word all the time because people are going to drift away and look for other teaching. He says, just keep preaching the truth of God's word. Use that to rebuke, use it to correct, use it to encourage. And so today I want to look at one of those areas uh, where we see the, the, the drift away from from truth, definitely in our culture and also potentially in the church. And so I want to look at one of those topics as we build a, a biblical worldview in 2022. And so here's the question we want to talk about today is this, is humanity inherently good? Is humanity inherently good? Have you thought about that recently? Have you thought about that ever? Have you thought about how your, what your worldview is on the topic of 
humanity, humans being inherently good, good, just created good, still good, basically down to their core, they're, they're good. And t- today I'm not looking for a Sunday school answer. I'm not looking for a pat answer. I would actually encourage you, if you're watching online, to take some notes. I'm going to encourage people here in the building to do so as well. Uh, just to be able to think through this uh, intentionally. And so, you know, uh, you can Google, uh, you can Google, just try it. Just go and Google, is, is man inherently good? And it'll actually finish the, the search for you. Uh, because there's Tons of articles and studies and things that have been done on this thing because it's, it is this question that, that resonates in, in many, many people. They, they kind of want to know, you know, are, is humanity at its core good? And so, you know, there's so, so some that I looked at this, uh, this week uh, from the Scientific American, from uh, Anderson Cooper, from Psychology Today, from the Washington Education. Uh, there's, there was one article that, that encapsulated a bunch of these uh, the, uh, studies, and, and, they, and they just posted some of, their, some of the findings. And, and here's, here's just some of the quotes from the, this article that says this, Humans are inherently good, possessing traits like integrity, honesty, courage, and loyalty. The evidence shows that people do good things out of natural instinct. Later on, it says people do disappointing, cruel, or self-centered things. That, that, that does happen. But it's not because they're inherently bad. It's not because they're bad at their core. They say it's because they are influenced by social pressures, such as injustices, inequalities, and competitions. Humans are inherently good. This is not a truth that is hard to comprehend if we consider what makes evil actions happen. We can explain all the bad and evil actions with external influences. Just remember that, uh, you know, as I, I read that, I thought, man, it sounds good. Like, man, it really does sound good, but is it true? It sounds good, but, but is it true? And, and which worldview do we have when it comes to how we see this topic of humanity? Is humanity good and why does it matter? We'll, we'll see that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, hanging out with a few friends of ours, and one of them just happened to talk about uh, her first humanities class. Uh, she was be- uh, going for her master's uh, in social work. And uh, she remembered the classroom setting. It was the very first day. They were sit- seated in their classroom in, the sh- in, a, in a U shape. And uh, their, the professor asked for some feedback. And, and they kind of just asked this, this question saying, you know, what do you know deep down inside that's true about humanity? What's one thing that you know deep down to be true about humanity? And they started at the, the one end of the U. And as the students w- w- were going, the first one just simply stated that deep down, I believe that people are inherently good. And just about every other person followed that lead. Like, yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, that people, they're, they're good. Or we, we got to believe that people are good. Or we got to help them, you know, f- regain their true self, that good self. That's kind of what all this is about. And she just remembers that she watched it go along one after another, realizing she's very near the end. That every single one of them followed along that train of thought until it got to her. And she, she began to sweat and, and realize, I'm going to have to say something completely different. And being courageous and standing up for her, what she truly believes, she said, you know, I believe it's the opposite. I believe the one thing that's true about humanity is that they're inherently evil. And there was gasps from some of the other students, and, but there was just like, okay, let, you know, explain yourself. And she just simply went on to reply with this. She said, well, think about, think about this. Do you ever have it if you, if you knew that you, would, you could do something and you wouldn't get caught? No one would ever find out Why is it that our default position is to always serve our own needs? If we knew we weren't going to get caught, why is the temptation 
to lie or to gain or to present ourselves in a better light than we truly are or to put ourselves first? Why does it seem that our default isn't to naturally do good by instinct and occasionally slip up here and there, but rather the other way around? And here's the polar opposite of that article we just mentioned before. So, so which one is it? Which one is it? Is it, you know, which one of those two worldviews um, do you most agree with? The first one or, or, or the second one? Because maybe, you know, like, is it possible that my friend uh, is, is just, was, she was the one bad apple in the good, you know, the, in, the, in the bushel of good students seated in, that, in, the, in those rows? Or is it possible that, that both are true and that some people are, in fact, good and others are just not good? And, but if so, how do you know which one is good and which one is not? And, and who defines good? We talked about that last week. Who defines what's good? Well, we have the famous statements, you know, well, hey, you do what's good for you and, you know, I'll do what's good for me. I, I, that cannot be the very first time you've ever heard that statement. You know, we, and it sounds good because it, it, it's, it's non-confrontational, right? Hey, you, you, you just be, you, you do you, you be you, 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 you do what's good for you and I'll, I'll do what's good for me. But when you think about it, which we rarely do, but when you really think about it, do you really believe that? Do, you re- do, do we really believe that it's a good idea for people to do just what seems good to them? You know, I think if we dig a little deeper, we realize that, um, that there's a greater good that we would hope that they would think is good as well. That what they think is good is, is not quite enough. We assume that there's this, this ought to, that, that, that people would have inside of them, that, they, that there's, an, there's a higher code that they would ought to follow. It's funny, I was hearing one guy who talked about a thief who uh, he, he got stolen from, and he was upset because he couldn't believe that someone would steal from him. But he was a thief. He stole from other people, but he thought it was wrong that they stole from him, that they, they ought to know better. You know, I'm, I, he steals because he needs it. They steal, who knows why, but, but thinking it's wrong. And you're like, well, how is that possible that it's wrong? But that thief wanted the other person to aspire to this, to this higher code. Well, you just don't do that to somebody. You know, there's this innate appeal recently for people to do the right thing. <laughs> you hear it over and over, just do the right thing, do the right thing. But, but who gets to determine um, ultimately what's right or what the right thing is? Who, who determines that? You or me? Maybe it's me. Maybe I get to determine it, or, or maybe, no, an expert on the topic gets to determine what the right thing is, or maybe it's the majority. If the majority thinks this way, then that must be the right thing. If we wrestle with this a little bit, that, that thought of, you know, doing the right thing, or who gets to decide, you know, what's the right thing or, or the wrong thing, my question is this, why do we care? Why does anybody care if anyone else does the right thing or not, if there is no such thing as you know, uh, absolute right and wrong or morality. What does it matter if the other person does their right thing and we do our right thing? That should just be fine, and yet it doesn't play out fine. It doesn't play out fine. You know, if people are ultimately good, can we just simply assume or trust that, that, that what they do is good? Think about that for a second. If people are ultimately good, if that's the worldview we want to take, the people are ultimately good, can we, shouldn't we just trust that what they're going to do is good? I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know. I think humanity is good, but I don't know that we can, I don't know. Well, here, here's a thought. If you came across a blind man sitting by a path 
this crazy, crooked path, this, uh, this road going through the, the mountains like this. Would you trust a blind man t- to say, hey, you know what, uh, I'll lead you down this path? You'd probably be like, ah, I'll wait for the next guide, I think. You know, like how, how would we trust that he knows the right way to go if he's blind? But let me ask you this question. What if you're the blind person? What if you're blind and you come up to this, to this unknown road and this person, it's the same blind man, he says, hey, I'll, I know the way down this mountain. I'll lead you. And you're blind, but you don't know he's blind. So you're like, okay, I'll follow you. Because I think he's a, probably a pretty good person. I think, you know, he's got good intentions. He's, he's probably good. I'll, I'll follow him. You know, he's doing his best. They would never intentionally try to hurt me. <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's this thing where Jesus actually talked about the blind leading the blind. He actually cautioned his, his disciples regarding the Pharisees, his religious leaders who were trying to tell people all these things you need to do. He's like, <laughs> Jesus, like, no, you, they said, Jesus, you just offended those guys. He's like, it doesn't matter. He's like, don't worry about them. They're blind guy, guys leading the blind. And if one blind person leads another, they both fall in the ditch. He's like, don't, don't worry so much about that. There's, there's, there's somebody more important to follow. That's in Matthew 15. You can read it later if you'd like to, to look it up. But it comes down to this question. Could a flawed person, if, could a flawed person really give an unbiased definition of what is good? Could a flawed person really give an unbiased definition of what is good or what is right? You know, as a follower of Jesus, I think we owe it to ourselves to ask, well, what does Scripture say? Because culture might say that humanity is inherently good, and they'll make all their decisions based on that worldview. Why? Because our worldview defines and determines how we act and interact with our world. So their actions and interactions are based on that worldview. So as a Jesus follower, we have to ask ourselves, what does Scripture say? What does Scripture say about this? And will I build a biblical worldview uh, uh, on, this, um, on the basis of Scripture? So let's take a look at a couple of Scriptures uh, together. Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 1 verse 26 says this, Then God said, let's make human beings in our image to be like us. We talked about this last week. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. And so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Verse 31, then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was what? It was very good. You know, God, it just, it just, he, he shows us that God created mankind. If we're going to go with a biblical worldview, a, a, a Christian, thinking Christianly worldview, we realize that God originally created man, created humanity good, very good, if not perfect. Nothing he created had any flaws in it. It was perfect. And we see that good begets good. God, who is good, he creates good. I, I Personally, I believe that that's why we have this, this understanding in every human being that there is such a thing as good and evil. It's like this hardwiring in us that, that, that remembers back to, to, to who we once were. That there's, like, we realize at one time we were good, and right now we are not. And it's this, this trying to get back to it, this longing for that, uh, and realizing we're not there anymore. Well, we, we, as we read scripture, we realize pretty quickly that God saw it was very good, but not very good for very long. You know, last week, we learned that Adam and Eve didn't want God in the picture. They didn't want God in their worldview. They didn't want to acknowledge his existence or that they needed him. They wanted to be God themselves. 
And as a result, this, this mess began. And, and different worldviews uh, came about as a result. You know, I was reading, reading through Genesis uh, right now on the YouVersion Bible app. It, it is, it's great because YouVersion actually gives you the opportunity to talk about things every day. And you get to just post back and forth different comments on, on what you've read. And it's been, it's been great. But we're reading through with this uh, woman who, um, she's reading through Genesis for the very first time. And I absolutely love it. I think what a great, great, um, ex- exciting thing to read through Scripture with somebody for the very, very first time, fresh eyes. But, you know, the, it's, it's been interesting because you know, we got from the garden and then we start going to the stories of, of what happens in the life of Abraham and Lot and these others. And we keep seeing this emoji uh, showing up on the, uh, on the, the screen. And she she's writes things like, oh, man, like murder, rape, incest, yuck. Like, who knew the Bible was so full of X-rated stuff, she says. And, and uh, she's asking questions. And it, it's, it's, it's been excellent to be able to, to, to walk with somebody through that. But what is it? It's the, it's the historical description of the cycle of brokenness. That It's showing the fruit of what happened when Adam and Eve made this decision that, that what was once good is no longer good. And as a result, there are these, these things that would just bring that stomach churning, that's, that's disgust of these things that are happening because of simply the cycle of brokenness. And then as he go further. We aren't to Exodus yet, but we'll get there in Exodus 20. It talks about the Ten Commandments and, you know, God's call on man to return to good. He was basically saying, hey, I've brought you into my family. Now here's kind of the house rules of the family. We're going to look different than other families. We're going to live this way. But, but the Ten Commandments ended up becoming just another description of the inward evil rather than a prescription for how people can become good. That's an important thing to think about. It's a description of, of the, 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 the evil revealed in people, not a prescription on how to live right. People you know, say today still, oh, Christianity is like, oh, you go to church and try and keep the Ten Commandments. <laughs> That's not, that is not what the Ten Commandments do in our lives. Paul, the apostle, would later write to the Romans, and he'd explain to them that the law revealed in something, it revealed the evil that was in him. It put words to the, to the temptations and stuff that were already there. He's like, I didn't know that, you know, you shouldn't lust. He's like, I just didn't know what the words were. I, I knew that I had that in me. I just didn't know how to, I didn't know what those, what those words were. It's like the story of two kids, two little boys who, you know, walking home from school every day. They pass this greenhouse, all the glass windows, and yeah, everything is fine until one day the owner of the greenhouse puts a sign up on the, on the fence that says, don't throw rocks at the greenhouse. Well, guess what happens the first day the boys walk by and see the sign that says, don't throw rocks at the greenhouse? You just picture it, you know, look. Yeah, you see that before? No, I didn't see that before. You, you thinking what I'm thinking? I'm thinking what you're thinking. You know, pick up a rock, throw it, and, and, and hoof it. You know, they, what is it? It's just like that, that, that seeing that rule makes you like there's something in there. It's just like, I just want to break that. I just want to br- break that. Well, that. That comes from within. You know, the worldview that from our article above that we talked about earlier, that it would blame, you know, it would blame the broken glass on the sign. It's that external thing that made those boys do it. But what does Scripture say about it? Does Scripture say, oh, it's all the external things that have happened in your life. It's all the, those experiences. It's, it's because of you know, the, the, the injustice in your life, and it's because of your parents. and whatever. It's all of these things, that this, this blame game. James says it this way, James chapter 1, verse 14. James, the brother of Jesus. He's a real practical guy, but he, he writes this in James 1, 14. He says, temptation comes from our own desires. Some of the, the, the versions say it comes from our inner desires, which entice us and drag us away. 
He says in verse 15, those desires, they give birth to sinful actions, like picking up the rock and throwing it. And then when sin's allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And as we think about the, is, our, is humanity inherently good? We want to answer yes because of this word we don't like right here called sin. You know, sin's, sin's a tricky word, right? It, it, it feels heavy and it, it's got these, it's, it's loaded with, with, with implications and meanings. But, you know, the, the term that they use here in the Greek is the word hamartia. It's used about 170 times in the New Testament. But it's just definition is simply this. It's, it's defined as missing the mark or, or missing the target or erring. It, it's, it's often compared to an archery uh, term for missing the bullseye. It's like that, you know, you, if people are shooting at the bullseye and, and they miss. You know, if we have the bullseye, it, we, we, we'd probably agree that when you see a bullseye, there's an intended target on a bullseye. You're aiming for the yellow spot in the middle. If you entered in an archery competition with a bunch of others and uh, they just decided, well, we're just going to award first prize to just whoever. Like, hey, you, you know, Chris, you shot an arrow, you win. And, and everybody else is like, what do you mean he wins? Like, he didn't even hit the hay bale, let alone the target, let alone the yellows. What do you mean? Why does he win? And there would be like there would be this this anger at the injustice of that of that judgment, uh, because they realize that you know participation trophies that those are worthless. It does like if if he wins just for shooting an arrow, well, there's no value into whatever he won. You know, a biblical worldview as well tells us that there is something we're actually aiming for. It's not just oh, just willy nilly, whatever is good. There's an ought to. That comes through scripture in our lives. There's, there's this, this ought to that, that we know deep down inside that humanity has like an, an ought to in the way they treat each other. Do they do it? Very rarely. But there is this, this understanding that there is an, an ought to. You know, another worldview may simply state it this way. It's like, well, shoot the arrow and then we'll paint the target around it. I remember that from a cartoon as a kid. It's like that's the way he always wins. He just shoots and then and then paints the paints the target. And that's how our worldviews work today. It's like good is like an it's not like an ever-moving target that you're trying to hit. It's just like, oh well, that's where the arrow line ended up. Well, humanity's good, right? So inherently good. So wherever that wherever humanity ends up, we'll just paint the target. This becomes the new target of good. And as a result, the old targets can degrade, degrade, degrade until what used to be good is now looked upon as evil. You know, it might look like you're on target depending on what worldview glasses you're wearing in the way you live your life and the way you think about the world. You know, you might be like shoulder to shoulder with somebody on social justice issues, but if it's not from a scriptural standpoint, I would say that you could be doing the very same thing from two very, very different motivations in different places. And it might look like you're on target, but are you really? You know, if we could define good in this way, where we just like, well, we'll draw the target wherever the arrow shows up. Well, then, yeah, we can define and just say, well, hey, certain people are good because wherever the target ended up, well, then then they're good. Whichever arrow hits the target, you know, some people are good and and some aren't. and, And that's just simply based on the worldview. But as a Jesus follower, what does Scripture say? What does Scripture? And, and I'm saying it to the Jesus followers because I think sometimes it's like, well, you know, it's like this is this is the message for the whole world. Not no, but specifically for the Jesus follower, what does it say? You know, Paul echoes the words of James as he writes his letter to the Romans, 
And he, he writes over and over and over again, helping them to understand this truth. Romans 3, verse 23, he says, everyone has sinned. Not everyone has made some mistakes. You know, everyone is good, inherently good, but they have a little slip up here and there. But they're deep down they're good. And he's like, no, no, everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. You know, in Romans 5, verse 12, he kind of explains how it happened. And where does he go? He goes right back to the garden. See, Paul believed that Adam existed. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. When one man sinned, that's when sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death. And death spread to everyone. Don't believe me? 10 out of 10, die. Statistics are being in my favor, <laughs> you know, for the, for the remainder of the time on this planet. 10 out of 10, die. He says, why? Because everyone sinned. It started with one, but it spread to all. Just like good begets good, sin begets sin. And every man, every woman, every child is affected by this thing called sin. Thought about it, that means every parent, every preschooler, every preteen, every partner, every politician, every priest, and even every pastor, and everything else that doesn't start with P. They all, they are all born in sin. They're all affected by sin. They've all chosen sin at some point in their life. Oh, I thought that, I thought that, thought that they, they were closer to God. They're like, they're, they're good people. Not on their own. Not on their own. Not according to Scripture. It doesn't, it doesn't give us that option. But you think about, you know, yeah, okay, but, but you said sin's like missing the target, right? Like, so what's, like, what's the big deal if you just miss the target? Like, I, I went out shooting, you know, um, pellet guns with my, my son and, and uh, sometimes we hit the target and sometimes we like miss the whole backdrop and everything. So like, who cares? It's just like, whatever. I, I was playing hockey with Zane the other night. Every time he shot, he missed the net. Uh, wide open net, never hit it once. You know, it's like, who cares? You know, it's just, it's just hockey. It's just, it's just Pelicans. What's, what's the big deal? Well, Paul, Paul actually, you know, repeatedly explains to the Romans, and we're going to be looking at that over the next few weeks, that it's a really, really, really big deal. And here's why. Romans 6.23, he says, the wages of sin or the cost, or the price of sin. Remember that thing, you know, missing the mark, oh, I didn't quite hit the original design, whatever. He's like, the wages or the cost of that is death. He says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's some good news in that verse, but there's also some pretty bad news, because death's a big deal. Death's so final. You know, if he says missing the mark is what leads to death, that's what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. You know, they took the fruit and like, huh, you know, the, the, the enemy said, you won't surely die. And they're like, okay, well, like, you know, just, I wonder like that moment, did they just grab it or like, eh, touch it? Like maybe, oh, pick it. Hey, did you die? No, I didn't die. Oh, me neither. You know, take a bite. Adam's watching. She didn't surely die. Oh, well, here, you know, try him. So he eats it. He's like, I didn't surely die. Well, who knew, you know, here we are still in the garden. We're still, we're still good. What's the big deal? We didn't surely die. You know, we're still good, but, but God didn't think so. And immediately we said their eyes open. They realized, wait a second, something's not quite right in here. We're still in the garden, but something, something's different. Genesis 3.22, it says this. Then the Lord said, look at the human beings. They've become like us. They know both good and evil. Um, and it says, what if they reach out and take the fruit from the tree of life and eat it? Then they will live forever. You know, when you read this, you think, oh, they're going to live forever. They're going to cheat death. You know, it wasn't God saying, oh, Adam and Eve, you know, 
oh man, they pulled one over on us. If they eat that fruit from the tree of life, they're, they're going to they're live forever. They're going to cheat death. You know, they're going to get away with it. That, 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 that's not it at all. It was a realization that if they, they ate from that tree of life, they would live forever in the state of brokenness that they had just brought upon themselves. And God, the God who loves his creation, loves humanity, is like, I can't, I can't let that happen. I, I can't let them get stuck in this cycle of brokenness forever. I've got to get them out of the garden. I've got to get them out of this perfect place, away from that, that opportunity to live forever now so I can fix it, so they can live forever again someday in, in, a, in, a, in what will once again be, be good. So he ushered them out of the garden. You know, there's a poem called Paradise Lost. I've read just some excerpts on it. And uh, at the end, it's like as they're being ushered out, the, you know, the, the, the archangel Michael, just as they're going past telling them, hey, you know, put on charity and put on love and put on these things and add good deeds because, you know what, you think you're leaving, you know, paradise or paradise is lost, but realize that there's something yet uh, better ahead, far better still. And I don't know if they believed it as they walked out of the garden that day. You know, I don't know that they believe, oh, you know, there's something greater ahead, but in the eyes of Heavenly Father, there was something greater ahead and he was at work to make that happen. And so, if we bring this all to a, to a, to a close today, the, the question originated with, well, what, what does it matter if you have a worldview that believes that humanity is inherently good? What, what, what's the hindrance or what's the issue with having that worldview? Can I just give you a few thoughts? One, people that hold a worldview where humanity is inherently good, they will blindly trust people that they have no business trusting. They will trust them because they think they're good, inherently good. When Scripture tells us that unless they've been redeemed by Jesus Christ, they are in, inherently evil. They, people with a worldview that believe humanity is inherently good, they will view good intentions as being good and dismiss evil actions as just being incidental. They'll compare themselves with others uh, and to, to ultimately, they'll find others that they can look down on as a result. Just to believe that, that, that pride of, oh, you know, I'm inherently good. And you only feel good if you can compare yourself to others who are less good than you. They'll continue to move the target of what constitutes good and right and morality. That target will always be moving in a, in a place that believes that, ma- that huma- humanity is inherently good. And they will tragically be... in be tempted to embrace the broken as normal. Exactly what God was trying to protect Adam and Eve from. Don't embrace broken as if that's normal. This is not what you were created for. You know, I was reminded of uh, my boys. My, um, my wife sent me the pictures she took years ago. This is Max's sunglasses. He had got these glasses and he loved them so much and, and uh, he wore them everywhere. And then the one day he was, as they were leaving, he actually put them on the wheel of the van and got in. And then all of a sudden he realizes she started driving that they got crunched and, and these, were the, these were the sunglasses. And, and this was, you know, this was Max's reaction right here. He was not happy about it. This was, this was, this was the worst possible thing that could happen. And then, you know, his younger brother, who's just got this heart of gold comes and says to Max, it's okay, Max. It's okay. They still work. See, this still works. I thought, man, you can't help but, ch- but chuckle as you see that. But as I, as I, 
As I think about this when it comes to the worldview, you know, seeing this bro, it's, it's okay. It's okay that it's broke. It, it still works. You know, we don't, we don't, need, to, we don't need to fix any, like, anyone. No, nobody needs fixing. They just need acceptance. It's okay, Max. You don't need to fix the sunglasses. You just need to keep wearing them. There's nothing wrong in humanity. We just need to be more accepting and loving of, of them. And we, anybody who holds to the worldview that humanity is inherently good will think that it's unloving to speak the truth and think it's loving to avoid uncomfortable truths that actually risk people's lives. And so we don't want to be those people. We want to be the ones who simply said we want to have a biblical worldview but see it through the same way that Jesus did. And I love that because Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us how Jesus approached the world through a biblical worldview, believing that people were inherently evil as a result of the, the escapades in the garden. And I just want to leave you with this last story. You know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us the account of Jesus' encounter with a, with a rich young ruler. And this rich young man comes up to Jesus around a crowd of people, and he, he, he gets down before him, and he asks him, he's like, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, hey, keep the commandments, right? Like, come back to being, to being good. And, and Jesus, knowing this man's heart, knew, knew his response, but he, he starts with that. And the man says to him, you know, like, I've honored my father and my mother, and I've done all of the things in the Ten Commandments. I've kept those since I was a baby. Guess what? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I'm a, I'm, a good, I'm a good guy. I'm a good person. So what do I need to do, Jesus, to gain eternal life? Jesus responds with these words, Mark 10, 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. Don't, don't miss that. Because the following words do not feel very loving if we just read them in, 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 in their totality. He says this, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. He says, there's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven, then then come follow me. Verse 22, at this the man's face fell. And he went away sad for he had many possessions. And, you know, Jesus takes a moment to chat with his disciples then and saying, listen, like it's really difficult for people who love money to, to surrender that, to, to follow Christ and to get into the kingdom. And he talks to them, you know what Jesus doesn't do? He doesn't run after the man. He, do, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't run after him. He loved him enough to tell him the truth. Then he also loved him enough to let him walk away and make that decision for his life. He didn't run after him and say, whoa, okay, so hold on, hold on. You know, thinking this guy would be really great to have in our group. You know, we've been eating, you know, cornflakes every single day. And this guy could like hook us up with sushi and whatever. Like he's rich. We want him in our crew. You know, and I could, could really use, you know, a guy like him in, in heaven someday. And he didn't run after him and say, hey, listen, hold on a second. Okay. You know what? You're right. You are a pretty good person. Let me remove some of these conditions. You know, let me remove the conditions so that, so that you can be, you know, so you can get in and you can, you can be a part of this. But he couldn't remove that uncomfortable truth that this man, you're not as good as you think you are. He couldn't remove that truth. Why not? And here's why I believe it's why not. You know, a number of years ago, I traveled with Russ Borovage to Haiti, and uh, the day before, um, the night before, we actually had to fly home from Haiti. There was a massive storm, and the rain came like, like just monsoon-like rain, and it was filling all the, the, the rivers and, and ditches. And, and as we were getting up to go, all of a sudden, we got this report. The bridge 
between us and the airport uh, crossing the major river is out. It's gone. It, it, the whole thing washed away, and they couldn't believe it. This thing was engineered for that. And then they later found out that the, that the locals had been taking bolts out one at a time and just seeing, oh, yeah, it's still standing. And they would take the bolts out, and they'd, they'd take anything to sell for anything. And so this bridge looked like it was safe, but when the storm came, it, 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 there, was, there was no safe passage over the water. And I would just say this, that story reminds me of this, it's the same with the gospel. If we remove portions of the gospel because we don't like the way they feel, we no longer have a gospel that saves. There is no good news that saves somebody if they don't realize that at their core, they are inherently evil and in need of a savior. And that's why it matters. That's why it matters when culture wants our worldview to be like, oh, humanities, it's all about humanity. Humanity's all good. You believe that long enough, you're left with a gospel that does not save. See, the point isn't that we need to look at our lives and go, oh, you know, we're, you know I've, I'm, I'm a good person, but I've kind of broken the rules or missed things. No, the point, is that, the point is that we realize at some point in our life to realize we are broken people, broken right to the core, broken at the core, and that we don't need better behavior to get us somewhere. We need a better savior. We don't need better behavior. We need a better savior. A better savior than who? A better savior than us and our attempts to be good. Romans 5.18, last scripture says this, Therefore, through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, which was what Jesus did for us, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Verse 19, For by one man's disobedience, many were made, what? Sinners. Not just like, ah, you know, a little bit broken. No, like right to the core, broken sinners. And also, by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Man, that's the good news of the gospel, that God saw us in our need and came and gave his life in our place, that the wages of sin was death, and so he paid it for us. He he saw the world through his worldview, realizing they are inherently evil. They are not the design that I had. They're not living in original design, but I want to rescue them. I want to rescue them, give them hope that one day they will live in eternity as they were originally designed in full fellowship with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in the absence of the power, the presence, and the penalty of sin. Man, I am so grateful that he did that for us. And today as you hear those words, maybe it stirs something up in your heart and you're just like this response of like, I I need that. Well, if my friend, that is the The God of the universe offers that to you, offers salvation to you, but you have to take it his way. And his way simply says, I admit that I'm broken. I know it. I'm broken. If I'm honest, man, I'm not inherently good. No matter how much I want to try and say it, I know that I'm broken. I know I need a savior and I trust that if God, the God of the universe sent Jesus for me, then, then I'm trusting him. And I will follow him as Lord of my life, as master of my life. What he says goes. And from this day forward, God help me to see my world through a scriptural, biblical worldview. And to the Jesus followers today, I would encourage you to to go over your notes and to go and look and dig in deep. And if you're like, I don't know if I agree with what he said, feel free to challenge me. But like I said last week, challenge me with scripture. Because I as well want to grow in building a, a biblical worldview for my life as well. And thank you for investing this time In doing that, building a biblical, scriptural, Christian worldview in 2022. I need it. You need it. Our world needs it. So thank you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for all of those men and women who gave their lives protecting this, hiding it, translating it, gifting it to us in our language. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing it alive in us, helping us understand what it means for us today. Lord, I pray that you would lead and guide us into truth as you promised. I pray that you would help us to rightly divide the word of truth, but not just to know it, but let it affect the way our lives are lived, that your kingdom would come, that your will would continue to be done in and through your church. May you be glorified, Jesus, as you deserve. I pray this in your name. Amen. We have a few questions before we go, just to kind of get you hopefully in conversation with somebody or just start digging for yourself. I, you know, maybe you're watching together in a house church. Love that that's, that that's happening. Here's, uh, here's a couple of the questions. Number one, what jumped out at you from today's talk? What are things like maybe that's, all, that's where you're going to start and that's where you're going to go from? Uh, it's great. Second, you know, have you thought much about whether humanity is inherently good or not? Have you, have you thought much about that? And, and why or why not? And then third, in what ways have you seen um, these worldviews affect people's actions? It's always easier to talk about other people's actions, so we'll start there. But then I would challenge you to think about how has that affected your actions? You know, as Jesus followers and sharing the gospel with people, do you feel like the world needs it? Or like, eh, you know, that person's pretty good. And then finally, do you agree with Scripture on this topic? Do you agree with what we spoke on today and why or why not? Uh, anyways, looking forward to, uh, to hearing, you know, the, from you also just believing that these are seeds being sown that will, that will bear fruit in your life and look forward to, uh, chatting about that probably in eternity, uh, someday and grateful that that is a reality and a truth that we look forward to. And so until, until next time, just know that we love you or praying for you wherever you may be. And thank you for spending some time with us, uh, as our Kingsway friends and family. Have a great week.